Hey everyone, welcome to Danny's Diary, a podcast powered by Singing News Magazine. I'm your host, Danny Jones. Our engineer today, Troy Peach, music furnished by Eli Fortner. Our guest today, well, a true legend in the world of gospel music. And uh, Troy Peach, our engineer, is as equally excited as I am to have this gentleman with us. We have today the one, the only, Ed Hill. Ed, we are glad that you are here today. It's a joy to be with you guys. And you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with making this announcement here. Ed is the oldest person to ever appear on Danny's Diary. He is the young age of 85 years old, looking great. And uh, Ed has a history of gospel music like you wouldn't believe. I do have. I've been totally blessed. You look back over. I don't know why the Lord let me have such a good life, but I have been entirely my whole life. Blessed. Yes, you have because you've you've not only had a, a wonderful career, you've you've had a wonderful family, and you know I, I do believe that God has smiled on Ed Hill, and uh, we we view you as a treasure. We and we mean that sincerely. Thank you, Ed Hill. Um, a lot of people will remember him. The early days of gospel music for him, a group called the Prophets, and of course, naturally, he had a hand in forming that group, and. Uh, and let's go back to, to those days. The very first version I had was The Prophets in 1959. Wow. Was Jay Berry sang lead. Rancel Taylor did the bass. Um, I, of course, I did the baritone. One of them is a tenor. Tenor, tenor singer. Uh, tenor singer was, of all people, Big Lou. Mm-hmm. Big Lou and Garrison. Gary... Uh, Gary uh, Trussler, Gary Trussler, uh, you know, he played for the Oak Ridge later years. Uh, he was our original piano player. Let me tell you how it started. I was living in St. Louis, like I said. I uh, started singing when I sang tenor when I was 15 years old. Here I am, 85. That's been a year or two. And I got to singing with Jay Berry in St. Louis, Missouri, where... I was born, and we had a group there. And we'd go downtown to when the statesmen came to town. We would go downtown and stay in the hotel. They'd sit in a hotel with Jake Hess and Big Chief, me and Jay Barry. And we started, and they invited us. To, we told them we wanted to sing gospel music because it, it hit us. You know, it was part of our life then. Mm -hmm. And they recommended what we do, and I went to do that, and uh, we followed their advice. In fact, the last time I talked to Jake S. before he passed on, I told him, I said, Jake, you're the reason I'm here. And uh, we would, you know, the statesmen would do that, and Jay Mary and I decided we wanted to start a quartet, so on Thanksgiving of 1958, we moved to Elizabeth, and I, we went to Elizabeth, ten, the town, Elizabethan, Tennessee, uh, for Thanksgiving, and the group got together, those original stamps, I mean, stamp, original prophets, and uh, we liked the sound. So in 1959, we started it. 
and I moved to Knoxville. And along the way, the the years that you had the prophets on the road, you had some very talented people come through the ranks. Oh, I did. I can you look back at everybody. I can't at my age. I can't remember half of. <laughs> then after the days of the prophets, you uh, you um, you landed a uh, a pretty nice role with a with a, another legend in gospel music, J D. Sumner. Right. And uh, you you did a lot of different things for J D. Didn't you? I did. First of all, let me say. I disbanded the prophets since 1973. Went to work for J.D.'s talent agency down on Music Row. And uh, I was there for just a short time. And uh, they lost their baritone singer. And J.D. says, uh, I want you to fill in with me singing baritone until I can get me one. Well, I did. I kept singing with the stamps. Kept Finally, he says, I don't want you on this job. You've got the stamps baritone singer. But it took him almost about 25 years before he found another one. Well, he didn't want to rush into anything at all, <laughs> did he? That's right. <laughs> and, of course, uh, you know. Yeah, Jerry, I, I went with Elvis. Uh, of course, they was with Elvis. Right. And, uh, of course, now, we, we can't let this man walk out of this building without and there's a cue we can't let this man walk out of the building well without saying the most famous words in entertainment he got to say it for about the last two and a half years of of elvis's career and he was the last voice that anybody in a building who heard an elvis concert would hear when he would utter these very famous words ladies and gentlemen elvis has left the building thank you and good night there you go I never. I was with the Stamps when I'd been there a while, and the fellow that did the announcing also did for John Denver, and they came up close to have a tour at the same time. Mm-hmm. So this guy, the Colonel's office, called J.D. said, "We need somebody to say to do the MC for us." J.D. said, "Eddie will do it." He volunteered me, <laughs> and I said, well, I'll do it if I don't have to get out in the middle of the stage, right on top of the—right in front of all these people and start all that souvenir, souvenir uh, shopping stuff for them right. to buy. And uh, they said, okay. Well, I did it that one tour, and I got on a plane to go on the next tour. I didn't think I'd have to do it anymore. And they came up to me, the guy running the show from here in Memphis, our parts, said, you are the official Elvis Presley announcer, said the colonel liked the way you did it. So I did it until he died. You know, you you have gotten into a lot of things that people just assumed you were going to do, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a- after Elvis uh, passed away, the, you know, you stayed with the Stamps, and as they did more and more uh, regular concerts that they were always continued to do, and uh, there were some great times with J.D. Sumner, and J.D. was one of your closest friends, and, uh, you know, uh, some people say that he was a, a, a gruff person or this kind of thing, but the fact of the matter is J.D., was a teddy bear. He was a very he generous really was. person. 
What are some of your favorite J.D. stories about well, him? Well, first of all, I've had people ask me, well, how in the world did you say with J.D. Summer and the stamp so long the way he treated you? <laughs> I mean, on stage, I was, he picked on me constantly. Mm-hmm. He kicked me you know, or do anything, you know. And, but they really didn't know the J.D. that I knew. Uh, we were on that bus, we're traveling, we'd wake up early. He and I were early risers. We'd sit there and have his coffee, and he would just be as nice as could be and be just as good to you as you could ask. Let somebody walk through from the beds in back of that bus, and it all started on me again. <laughs> and I just overlooked. I know he's picking on me for fun. Right. And uh, he did that. And J.D. was very generous people. There's a lot of things J.D. give that nobody ever heard of. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was he was really soft-hearted. And then after the stamps <clears throat> the during that era, uh, it wasn't long before uh, Ed Hill was – Found singing baritone for the Singing Americans. Yeah, you spent there for how long were you there? About three years? Was that right? Oh, or I was there. Than that? I was there about six, seven years. Okay. Um, Charlie Burke kept calling me and said, "I want you to come and hear my quartet. My son sings the bass, and I want you to hear." It. Well, I've heard that for I don't know how many people, and I kept putting him off, and. Um, he called me one day and said, where are you? I said, I'm somewhere. I forget where I was, up in Carolina somewhere. He said, I'm coming to get you, and I'm going to fly you home. I want you to hear my quartet. So he carried me back to Maiden, North Carolina that day, and I listened to Danny Funderburg, Mike English. Charles Surratt was leaving, and Dwayne Burke. And I heard that sound, and I picked up the phone, called my wife, and I said, I want you to hear this. And they sang. She turned around. My daughter said, get ready to move to North Carolina. Says, he likes that sound. (laughs) And it was a tremendous sound. And I was blessed uh, to be there with the singing Americans. And and, uh, the folks out there, who loved gospel music, was good to us, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, had a lot of great talent come through the Second Americans. You sure did. There. You got to see a lot of the people who are now considered uh, veterans and, and, and uh, uh, household names. You got to see them when they were just beginning in many well, instances. Well, there's people like, uh, like I said, Danny Funderburg went with the cathedral. Uh, mm-hmm. the cathedral. And, uh, of course, there's... Uh, 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 Clayton Inman now with with his uh, crew, right? And uh, Danny Funderburg. Uh, no, I mentioned Danny. Um, uh, Ivan Parker. Yep, that's right. Ivan sang with his family till he sang with the Americans, and he came in, and different people like that. Mike Ingl- uh, Mike Lefevre filled in for me when I had a bus wreck. Right, and that was going to be my next question. It was while you were with the Singing Americans that you 
that you went through one of the scariest things of your life, and it's a it, it's a, a fear that still exists with with all the artists who travel today. Yeah. You were in a bus wreck that yeah. uh, really left you with some serious injuries. Right, I was off the road for six six months. Um, my left leg was broken. There was a hole in my left leg, and I had to take a muscle out of my stomach and fill the hole and. Uh, I went, couldn't walk, and they had me in wheelchairs, and it took almost, like I said, six months to heal me out where I could get back on the road. And for those people who who, who don't remember the details of it, long story short, uh, Ed was driving the bus, right, and you came upon a log truck that was making a turn, and the logs were so far off the back of the truck that when it swung around— it put the logs right in the perfect position for you to hit it with the front of the bus. Eight foot of the of the log came through. I was driving the bus. Mm-hmm. Eight foot of the log comes through the corner to where I was sitting, knocked me out of the driver's seat, and messed up my leg, which I'm paying for it yet today. <laughs> well, the good news is... It recovered. Uh, you recovered enough to continue your love of, of singing gospel music, and it wasn't too much longer after that that you f- were back on the road with your buddy J.D. The J.D. Yeah. and the Stamps reorganized, uh, and uh, you, you couldn't at that point. No one could imagine having the Stamps without an Ed Hill, <laughs> and uh, of course J.D. Uh, he thought, well, I went that long looking for a baritone. I'll, I'll just start looking again. And, uh, he called me one time, tell you the story about that. He called me, I was with Americans. He called me in 87, 1987. He said, I'm going to start the prophets again. I want you back. Will you come back? And I said, Yes, I will. I went back, and he was still the Masters Five. In the National Quartet Convention one, that year, uh, we went up as the Masters Five. He said, told all of us, turn your back to the crowd. We turned our back to the crowd, and he said, now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Stamps Quartet. That's how I changed the name over. Did you even know that was coming? No. Wow. You never knew it, J.D. <laughs> all right. Ed Hill has been married now for 65 years yeah. to Sharon, right. his wife. And uh, not only has she been the great quartet wife, uh, that she's been all those years. Uh, she also named the prophets, didn't she? Right, right. We we had some weird names we were going to use. She kept insisting, said, no, you got to use the name prophets. And she twisted my arm. Uh-huh. But it worked. We changed it. It worked, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we— you can't have a conversation with Ed. We've we've alluded to this earlier, but you can't have a conversation with Ed Hill without bringing up the Elvis days just a little bit. Of course, we've already talked about uh, uh, the announcement at the end of the concert. Some other people that we've had on the podcast also spent time with Elvis, Nick Bruno, uh, yeah. Billy Blackwood. Uh and they all walked away with a very favorable impression of Elvis. They yeah. said he was very genuine, a very loving person. Is that, is that how you feel? That's true. You know, like I told, said earlier, uh, J.D. was already with Elvis when I went with him, mm-hmm. the Stamps. And it, I, he 
he told me one day, he said, you, you got the job, we got Elvis in about about three weeks. I said, I don't know what he's, the material. He says, you'll have to learn it. So I laid down in my bed with headphones on and played live at Murray, uh, not live, that's Stamps, uh, uh, New York. Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. And listen and listen and listen and listen and uh, tried to learn my part. Well, we went on to San Bernardino, California was the first one I did with Elvis. And I said, he said, now, when you see Elvis, you got to treat him like one of the guys. I said, how do you treat a superstar like one of the guys? He says, that's what he wants to be done, treated like. And it's true. One, and the fact is that San Bernardino, about halfway, he said, but you got to watch him when we're on stage because he knows what everybody's singing and what they're, he knows if you mess up. I said, okay, I'll keep my eyes on him. So about halfway through that show, Elvis walked over to me and I thought, I have messed up bad. <laughs> and he stuck his hands through the girls who was sitting in front of me and said, welcome to the show. And it, I just thought I was going to faint right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, some other people uh, have mentioned that there was no way. Uh, they were talking about their first night on, yeah. on the Elvis show. They said there's no way anyone could prepare for what was about to happen. When when the, the theme music finished and he started walking out, the applause, the instamatic flash bulbs, all that. There's no way to describe it unless you were there and That's experienced. True. Very true. Do you ever do you think the world will ever know an entertainer of the magnitude of Elvis? I don't think they will. I don't think you just think how long it's been now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's amazing. In fact, as I said, I had my birthday. Mm-hmm. Me working with Elvis People in Europe, I'm getting, I got all kinds of birthday wishes from Europe, you know. And uh, they, uh, Elvis just had that way about him, you know. He, he I don't think he'll ever get bad, you know, or take. Right. So you and Elvis were about the same age, weren't you? He was at the birthday, was in January, mine's in February. Well, there you go. There's your trivia of the day. Now, Troy, if you are ever on a game show where you have the opportunity to say Elvis for a 600, Alex, you will know now that Ed and Elvis were roughly the same age. Okay? So just keep that in mind. So, so Ed, you've you've been around long enough to see about every aspect of Southern gospel music that you can possibly see. You've seen – Big crowds, you've seen yeah. little crowds, you've seen everything in between. <laughs> what do you? Oh, oh, oh there's a story I, came across right, right there. Right there, story yes, came sir. across. Uh, Prophets in the Oak Ridge, a boy sang in Georgia for, for to eleven people. Eleven. <laughs> okay. Well, who drew the crowd that night? <laughs> Most of them was us. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. So, 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 what do you think gospel music? needs right now if 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 you if you were advising someone about putting a new group on the road what would you tell them oh goodness that's a hard question you know 
You know, I went on as a kid. I was 20-something years old when I started The Prophets. And I I just love gospel music so much, I didn't even think of how to run it. I just wanted to sing it. You know, and there's people out there that want to sing it, and that's good. They need to do it, need to do it right. I'm one of those who looks at the blend and looks, makes sure everybody's doing their part, and and uh, uh, but it don't happen overnight. To me, it didn't. Maybe it is to others. I don't know, but it never happened to me overnight. I, I, I we practiced with the stamps. I mean, the prophets quartet for one month every night before we even sang to anybody. Wow. Every night. And, uh, in fact, my daughter needs to tell you, I had to rush my wife's hospital to have her while we was recording, rehearsing the prophets. <laughs> well, you kind of waited till the last minute to get her there, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. It, it, you know, and to me, gospel is different from what it was when I started. Mm-hmm. It changes every day. Mm-hmm. I don't care who it is, who you are, or who's singing, or whatever. It changes every day. Yeah. In your time, you've recorded many albums, sang many songs. Is there a favorite song that you've performed through the years that you would classify as your favorite? Well, you know, I have. I've recorded all those years, but uh, it was the, my favorite song is one that's, well, I haven't done it now. I've retired, but it was one of the later years. It's called My Time. Mm-hmm. I recorded it with the prophet, uh, Stamps. And uh, and I did it with the, with the uh, prophets too. I think I'm not sure. Okay, <laughs> but but, but it's it, it's a song of it. It's slow, serious song, and and it's my favorite. Another group that you spent some time with was Hovey Lister and the Statesman, and one of the later right. versions of that group. And um, what was it like hanging around Hovey? Well, that was quite an experience, too. You know, Ovi was a wonderful piano player. I mean, everybody knows they heard the statesman over the years. They you know what Ovi could have done and do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the thing that tickled me about Ovi, if you go to his home, which I had was able to several times, he had an office downstairs. And he'd have a suit and tie on sitting there in his house in an office. I never seen him without a suit and tie or, or, or a sweater. He constantly had a tie on. He always loved it. And it was quite an experience. Rosie was there. I sang with Rosie and Buddy Burton, Tommy Thompson, and me and Ray and Jake uh, Hovey. You know, what you said earlier today is so true. You you have led such a blessed life, not only on a personal level, but yeah. on a professional level. You, you've you gotten to be uh, the person who is the the glue, if you will, the or the one the one constant through there. All of those legendary names that we've talked about, Hovey, J.D., um, even Elvis, and everybody through there, you're the one constant 
through that whole thing. And, and now that you're retired and, and, and staying at the house, just in, enjoying life, when you look back all across all those years of traveling and everything, do you, do you ever find yourself, while you're acknowledging the fact that it's been a blessed life, do you ever do you ever ask the question, why me? Why did I yes, get to do this? Just about every day. Really? And you know, I think here's a 17-year-old kid watching them, loving Southern gospel music, and look who I've sung with. Mm-hmm. You know, who I met, who I got to work with. And every day, I said, why me, Lord? Uh, It just amazes me. And I don't know why. The Lord has a reason, and I'm doing it for his reason. Even though for many years I sang for the enjoyment for the people, not for what it said, I was raised a preacher's kid. And I knew how to act like a Christian, talk like one. Everybody thought I was a Christian. My wife knew I wasn't. And I went on a road trip one time, and she fasted for three days, and she knew I loved to read. And I was reading one of Hal Lindsey's book and realized, you know, I never asked the Lord to save me. I said, I've talked about him. I've sung about him. I've never asked him to come and live in my life. And I said, I prayed that forgive me. And I tell the folks everywhere I went, he said, let me think about it or I'll let you know he came into my life right then. And look back at everything I've done. I, like I said earlier, I've been blessed. I don't know why, but the Lord knows why. And that's the perfect way to bring this episode of Danny's Diary to a close. We have enjoyed our visit with Ed Hill immensely. Ed, thank you for coming by and spending some time with us. It's been a true joy. Thank you. It's a true joy to talk to all the friends and you. All right, folks, make sure you stay on the lookout for the next episode of Danny's Diary, the podcast powered by Singing News Magazine. We'll see you next time.